The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. Well, hi, Church Planner. This is Peyton Jones. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got a giggle. It's, it's going to be one of those podcasts, everybody. Buckle oh, up. Coffee. Coffee's kicking in. That's all I'm saying. I just downed me a venti Italian roast. And, uh, you know, the older I get, the worse Starbucks tastes. Is that me? Because I remember first time I ever had a Starbucks, it was so good. I was like, what is this? You know, like you drink it and you're like, this is like, this is gourmet coffee, right? Because we always were used to things like Cocos and Denny's and Norms, you know, like, you know, particularly if you're a teenager and you're drinking that stuff like all night around the clock. Um, then you have, you know, Starbucks back then, but now I don't know, like it doesn't taste good. The hipsters have rescued and redeemed coffee again. Well, you know, it's funny because I was never a coffee drinker. And, I mean, back in the day, and when I say back in the day, I pretty much mean, you know, four or five months ago, <laughs> if I were to have coffee, it was really uh, cream and sugar and a touch of coffee. Right. <clears throat> so, I don't think really what I drank could qualify as coffee <coughs> by people who would you, you know you can mute your mic still just sorry just so you it, know it came on it came on all of a sudden caught just, me unawares just just so you know that i would say it caught me with my pants down but you can't say things like that on a podcast you know and you got to be careful if your pants are down and you cough i'm just saying those, those are <laughs> only do that in the doctor's office <laughs> Oh, I could go so many bad places, and we'd have to start so, all over again. So I was gonna say, um, so well, no, it, back to back to the coffee. So uh, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I really was a an aficionado. <laughs> don't know it. that I've ever really had real coffee. Well, I, interestingly enough, now that I'm off the sugar, I do drink a ton of coffee. Nice, but I don't put sugar in it. I uh, basically am putting almond milk, unsweetened almond milk. Okay, I mean, all right. I that or coconut. Black. I mean, I, you know, I haven't gotten into the black, but you get used to it, and then you can't, you can't, you can't drink it with the milk. Like you, tr- you think, oh, maybe I have a treat today, and then you try it with the milk. And you're like, oh, gods, that's nasty, really? right? Yeah, maybe I yeah, should try. Cause like, I started doing a cold brewing coffee. Have you done that? Oh, it's the best. Yeah, I got a cold brewer because I can drink pretty much as much coffee as I want because it's so, no so calories. For taste, so taste for taste comparison, like cold brew, it, it is all about the taste for cold brew. It just yeah. tastes so good. Well, I I, I mean, I had to buy a grinder and, and the whole bean. and I don't know what whole bean I got this time, but I'm like, what? this is some tasty stuff. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll have the whole bean this time. Um, none of those half beans or I want the beans, beans that uh, the monkeys poop out and you make coffee from it. Dude, it's not a monkey. It's a cat. It's a special kind of cat. So no joke. <laughs> um, the, the origins of coffee 
Uh, uh, wait, wait. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Church Planner Podcast. If you're wondering <laughs> when are we going to get to church planning goodness, well, that's going to be coming up in about 27 minutes. But until then, yeah. sit back, relax, and hold on to your hats, because me and Peyton, we're going for a ride, and you're coming along. You've been listening to Smack Talk with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. Dude, where's the uh, where's the, the soundbite sound that bites. Barry got us of the whole... What did he get us? Hulk, Hulk Hogan was like, ooh, oh. what you going to do? And Hulk puts a smack down on you or something like that. I don't remember. We have all these toys and we don't use them. We're, we're like a, a paraplegic Batman. You know, it's all on our tool belt, you know, the utility belt. We just Dude, don't have arms to reach them. And, and Speaking and of a paraplegic Batman, did you see that horrific video of the deaf lady trying to go through Jack in the Box drive through and no. the guy would not serve her because she wouldn't back up to the machine? She's like, I'm deaf. I can't hear through the machine. And he's You're like, you've got to back me. up. And like, she waited there for two hours. They still wouldn't serve her, so finally she left. And it's it's a viral video, and it's 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 horrific because the lady's deaf. It's a, it's a handicap. Like you can it's tell a- she's deaf. Why are you being a jerk? But yeah, at the same time, too, I'm like, I don't know that he speaks English well enough to understand what she's saying. So wow. it could be like lost in translation here. So yeah. Well, someone lost their job. He did, actually. Uh, of course. Was, the manager fired him. Yeah, so. of course. And and well done on that manager, to be honest. Oh, my my yeah. uncle and aunt are deaf, and to treat someone like that is abysmal. Actually, oh, my, my gosh, nephew's dude. apparently totally. partial deaf as well. Totally. So, totally, uh, by the totally. way, guys, if you want to, this is a little tidbit, get into the uh, nitty-gritty a little bit sooner real quick here, and then we promise we'll behave and go straight back to wasting your time with Smack Talk. Let's get but, down to um, the nitty-gritty. <clears throat> just for a minute, just for a minute. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you if you really want to reach part of uh, your community that's not getting reached, all you need to do, go down to the community college or anywhere where there's sign language classes, Go talk to someone there. Hopefully you get an advanced sign language class. Don't get the person that just started yesterday. But just say, hey, if you guys want to come practice in my church. Did, um, did you just realize you said go talk to someone at the sign language class? Well, because most college classes, you know, are, well, I guarantee well, that's, okay, deaf, yeah, yeah. they've learned that from them when they were <laughs> a kid. They were a kid. Good call. A translation. Good call. It's a translator. It's a, and, and it's a paying job as a translator. So kids go to college. They learn how to become a deaf translator. And then, um, like, when my uncle calls me and stuff, like, we, back in the day, there used to be um, a TTY, which is like a little machine we yeah. hook up to our telephone. Yeah. And we type on it uh, back and forth. That was pretty funny. Um, but he was like lightning fast typer. And I was like one finger punch. And uh, we'll see what you anyways, can do nowadays is uh, like they'll have the the typewriter on the other end and the operator. Oh, that's what I'm saying. So so yeah. that was more advanced. And, and I don't know if that was just later or what. But that's usually like he, he called me in uh, Wales a couple times. When I was there, and and it was it's so funny because like my uncle's super funny, so the translator normally would start busting up because he he says really funny stuff. Like he's just he's a comedian. He always has been, and um, you know so. Uh, but yeah, it's cool, man. But anyways, you can literally um, advertise to the deaf community that you have, um, you know, uh, translation, um, sign language translation. And I'll almost guarantee you, even if you had up on the screen where someone was typing the words, 
uh, even on your online services, um, you would right away be set apart from every single church in your city. And I'll never forget my uncle saying, promise me when you start churches that you will have the um, deaf services. And to be honest, I I didn't. I, I did it in my college group. And we got tons, like we had a whole community. And when I say tons, I probably mean like 10 to, you know, maybe 12, 13. That's kind of a lot. But that was huge. That was huge. That's like a huge impact um, in the deaf community. because It was. And and they were coming to faith, and it was just fantastic. I recently, a couple years ago, met a pastor who um, was church planting a church for the deaf, um, simply because he said there's, there's there's no services. Um, that, that we can find in most cities where they have that. And if they do often, like my uncle would say, the only place that did it in his city was Episcopal. And he says, you know, basically, I, I didn't learn anything about God. is kind of a waste of time. And so now he goes to a um, mega church, and he now believes in God. He didn't believe in God back then. But my Nana would bug him and say, hey, you know, would you go? And he'd go, and he'd be like, this is a bunch of nonsense. And, and, and there is a very real component where, um, everyone else in the family believed except for him. And he's like, you know, he was a scientist and, um, he was like, Hey, you know, um, uh, I just, I just don't believe it. I I believe in evolution. I believe we got here by accident. Um, you know, I, I, God would make something like, you know, like me. I, I mean, if there is a God, I got a problem with him. And then years later, he started going to a church that had translation services. He heard the gospel, and he was converted. So, wow, kind of cool. That is cool. I mean, to be honest, I don't know exactly where he stands with God, but he would now tell you he's a believer. And his wife would, you know, she was raised in a Christian home, and they would say they're believers. So, wow, that's cool. That's really really cool. Yeah. So um, before we get into our topic, which I think we're going to do a nice, light, uh, fluffy, airy, cloud-almost-esque topic of uh, suicide. Um, well, see, yeah, see, I mean... Notice what yeah, I did there? Notice notice how I... Yeah, yeah we'll get back to that. Um, you know, obviously, there was a very uh, difficult piece of news. Uh, I, I know you've all heard it um, with Jared Wilson this week, and we want to address that. Um, you know, if there's one small thing that we can do to help prevent um, anyone. Um, I, I, I'm not so arrogant as to think that we could have prevented Jared or, or maybe that we would, but sometimes just hearing something that you can remember later or, you know, whatever. I mean, sometimes uh, wow, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavy topic, so we'll, we'll save it. But for now, I, I do need to, do you have any smack? Um, I don't know that I've got any smack. I'm trying to think of what even happened over the last week. So I listened to a podcast. Oh yeah. uh, Cause I, I got it. Um, I listened to a podcast, um, when I, whenever I'm doing things. So like I'm moving my office right now and, uh, right in the middle of my textbook, uh, I was just getting on my deep dive and I'd done a few pretty hardcore days of work on the textbook, uh, moving some mountains, getting things. I now have 36 stacks of books. And if you've ever seen my office, my office is, um, it's a pretty cool room, you know, it's pretty big. And, uh, I think it was like a 21 by 21 foot room. And I had three 
kitchen tables. That's where I got them. Was World Market um, that had swivel out stools that came out. It's hard to explain, but it's like this big old industrial table. I had three of those put put end to end, and that was where like it would be like a project table. And I saw this when I was a kid. Because my grandfather was a Civil War author in Virginia, and he built his own house. He had a third story. It was a ginormous library, second largest private Civil War library in the state of Virginia. And he, I remember seeing him work on projects. And strangely enough, when he got older, he was working on a cookbook. And he had, um, which was weird because that man never cooked in his life, right? <laughs> so it was because there's money to be made there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's making this cookbook, and I don't know if he ever finished it because the guy was like 80 years old, right? So he uh, was it like Meals had, of the Civil War? <laughs> no, but that's what it should have been. Was huge. Like he was a researcher extraordinaire, right? Like when he did um, Hatfields and McCoys. Like he went up and interviewed them when he did um, Rough Riders. He went to the Library of Congress and um, the, he had like he was looking at the original documents and there was an armed guard there. Like it was crazy. Like it, the guy could research, but I got to see his study and how he worked, which was pretty dang amazing to look at this ginormous table that he had. It was really like a, a custom made bookcase that came about waist high and he would, he had all these stacks. And so I think that was in the back of my mind. But anyways, so I had painstakingly gone through my library, you know, made a list of all the books that I had and put them in stacks. And then I'm like, okay, I got to go to Fuller. I got to go to Point Loma Nazarene. I got to go here. I'm thinking of all the libraries I got to hit for books I don't have and can't afford. But um, anyways, um, no sooner did I get all this mapped out than that day while I'm doing that, the pastor of the church and I'm at, he comes in and says, hey, um, and he was really cool about it. He's like, hey, we kind of need this room. Um, they let me stay there rent free. And he's like, ah, I kind of need this one. You know, we're starting a youth group and yada, yada. Uh, but I can put you there. So I've been moving my office. All is, that, week is this long. the one where we were always like fighting the Internet? <laughs> yes. OK. All right. I'm hardwired there now. Oh, well, so, no wonder we yeah. haven't been fighting it as much. Well, that, I, I actually haven't done one there. I'm actually at home, oh, but okay. um, right. you'll hear the train soon. So uh, it has been quiet since we've been on it. It's kind of weird. I'm a little worried about the train. Are you okay, train? But uh, but anyway, it's a so, good train. It's a good train. <laughs> there you are. It's like when my tortoise crawls out. It's like like for a few days, I'm all sad and worried. Dude, and all I can tell you is. I have just been having these flashes of all these burly construction workers. Hey, close the gate. The tortoise is going to get out. So true. So true. They would be like, hey, man, close the gate. Tortoise is going to get out. They would they would uh, obsess over little mom as well. She has she's like a seductress. She she wraps her her little um, what do tortoises have like <laughs> little, little scaly claws around men's hearts. She 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 she's she's a temptress. It's, it's her eyes, my wife says. And it's that underbite. My tortoise has an underbite, which is funny as heck. So she she looks like a cartoon tortoise, like some D&D monster, but it's her eyes. They're soft. So any, anyways, my wife's getting a little jealous, so I got to stop. But uh, Andrew does call the tortoise my mistress. But man, we are way off, to, way off topic here. So I'm moving. And anyways, back to this original. I listened to this, this uh, podcast, which is um, Scott Johnson. 
Uh, he is an illustrated cartoonist. It's my favorite podcast. It has nothing to do with ministry or... There it is. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Did a good train. <laughs> I was worried about you. So anyways... So I listened to this, and, and it started with, um, he would look at Blizzard games. I'm a total Blizzard nerd, right? So I play all their video games, or I used to, at any one stage. So anyways, um, he does this one it does this one called The Instance, and I did not know, but he has a network of podcasts, which you and I have talked about, um, called The Frog Pants Network. I think that goes back to some cartoon he used to do. It was called The Frog Pants Network. He has... Every kind of, he has one that's like the diary where he and his wife sit on the front porch and chat. Um, he's got another one that's the morning stream. That's every day he's got one. There will be dungeons, which is like a dungeon. He's a total nerd, but he's rad. And then, um, he's got one that's like technology. So he's got one on, uh, film sack where they just watched Rocky three. So I was listening to that the other day on the way to the hospital. I was busting up. They're just pulling Rocky Three apart, making fun of it and admiring it and criticizing it. Just funny stuff. Anyways, yesterday, so I'm don't mess I'm, with I'm Clover moving. Lang. That's all I'm saying. Oh my gosh, dude, it was so funny. Like I didn't know this. They pulled out the fact because you learn so much on these things, uh, important things like that. Uh, Mister T never actually said, "I pity the fool." When he was on the A team, I did not know that. So the way Mr. T got discovered was he was on a strongman competition. Stallone saw that, decided, I want to use him in my, in my movie. So he actually starred in Rocky three before he was on the A team. I thought it was the other way around. Interesting. Yeah. I thought he started on the show. Turns out he got that and he never said, I pity the fool. Um, on uh, on the A team, that was a pure Clubber Lane line, and now it's like it's just Mister T. You you pictured you really? can't picture him saying that. Yeah. I, well, man, it almost makes me go. I got to go back and watch every episode right? of the A team to verify that. Which would not be a bad. Why don't we have A team clips on here? Like this is their story. Dun, 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 these dun, are some of their stories. Dun, 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 I, oh, so, anyways, back to this. So, H.M. Murdoch. Uh, oh, come on. Face Man. Oh, so good. So good. I love it when a plan comes and, together. <laughs> oh, Hannibal sorry, right there. Hannibal sorry, you Lester. keep with the story, then I got a quick story. So, anyways, all I was going to say was I was busting up yesterday because they they had this random, they do all these rad competitions online. They'll do, people send them things, and I'm thinking, God forbid you and I ever do a morning stream type of deal because it is so dang funny dude the stuff they come up with to keep their show going um one one of them is um uh so like i said like people send them different types of mustards or habaneros or like different types of uh cheeses and they'll eat them and talk about them it's funny as heck but anyways um they (laughs) one time they like like crickets you know like the ones you can eat uh, like the edible bugs that they're trying to push when 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 we all run out of food. Um, but anyways, they were talking yesterday. They they had a guest on there and they asked him, "Okay, now here's here's the thing. Do you currently have any uh, human skeleton parts, like any part of a human skeleton in your house?" <laughs> Which is a weird question. 
And the guy goes, yeah, I do. Hold on. And he gets up. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. He's going to get it. I'm scared. And the guy's like running out of the room. And he comes back and goes, these are my wisdom teeth. They're a little scared there. They're like, yeah, he's going to, you know, he's going to show up with like a briefcase full of bones or something, you know. But uh, but anyways, they start Googling, like, where can we get some? And my gosh, the amount of stuff you can buy on Amazon. You can buy like human bones. You can buy fetal pigs. You can buy like the stuff they started finding on Amazon for educational purposes um, was amazing. And, uh, it, 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 part of it, there was, it wasn't plutonium, but it was, it's, a was a, a, one of the ingredients of plutonium, um, that you could buy, like you could, you could buy like ingredients to build things you probably ought not be building on Amazon. And it, anyways, like on the fetal pig one, dude, I was just busting up. Like, again, I'm moving my office. So my, my brain needs to be engaged, right? Like, like, it's so boring. I'm just walking, 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 hefting, hefting, lifting, lifting, um, organizing, organizing. But um, the fetal pig one was funny because sometimes you find those things on Amazon where the reviews are the best part of it. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. everybody was was writing things like, um, yeah, like you've seen the one where like they're selling the banana and everybody's like writing the funniest comments about I, the Have banana. you seen the one where it's the, uh, the, the pen for her? It's a female pen. Like it, the reviews are hilarious. Finally, someone made a pen for me. I mean, it's just like (laughs) classic reviews. So, so on this one though, the fetal pig, people are writing things like they're writing these hilarious reviews. Like, you know, it was a little bit chewy. (laughs) If I were you, I just stick straight with the pork chops. Um, I had to drown it in a lot of applesauce. Like, you know, fetal pig is what you dissect in science class. This is for educational purposes. But people are writing in, like, questions to the seller, like, what's the best type of sauce to cook this in? Um, oh, it's so funny, man. It's just busting me up. It's great. So, uh, you know, I just realized I, 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 the, the thing that I was going to share, I don't know if I, um, it's not really a smack talk. It I was one of those smack talk. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I, I was just saying, I don't think mine was smack talk. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it might be a little bit too, uh, too profound that it not profound. <laughs> it's its and, own topic. Me and profound thoughts. I don't think those two go together. Yeah. It's, I think it's too serious of a topic and maybe I should yeah. actually save it for, uh, email for it to me so that I remember, because here's the problem today. I was going to show up. Someone, texted me or messaged me or emailed me and they said Peyton what about this and that and that and it was very complicated their question I was like you know um oh I remember what it is now um it was and I can't remember who the person was um but it was basically oh wait 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 it was on Twitter okay I got you I found you so so problem is I get all these different you know, uh, portals that people were asking me stuff through. And I can't, you know why I I don't get any, because Pete at churchplantermag.com goes right to the trash. (laughs) So anyways, he, he was like, Hey man, but listen to the podcast and, uh, boom, boom, boom. And I said, you know, I'm going to do a 
topic on that. And, and so I was gonna, I was gonna put out a message like an APB, like, Hey man, I couldn't, I was looking at messenger. I was looking at my text, couldn't find it. I just now hit me. It was Twitter. So I will hit your topic. And it was a really good one. It was, it was kind of like when you hit the doldrums in ministry where nothing's moving, nothing's happening. There's no forward motion. And you're just like, what am I supposed to do here right now? And, and, and I was able to write back and say, you're in a good place actually, because you're in that place where you're, you're just, you're surrendering. Like that's the deal. And I don't mean you're holding up the white flag kind of surrender. Like I'm done. I quit. I, uncle, but uh, Oklahoma, but you know, um, we'll return to that topic. I want to do that. Then maybe we'll hit Pete's next week and then we'll hit this other one. But today we do need to hit, um, more because of the timing. And um, the, just the absolute sadness um, of, of what this is, um, I want to talk about uh, the suicide. Yeah. Well, uh, let me actually kick off our, our, our doc. Uh, all right, doc, take it away. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Well... <clears throat> First off, let me just say I am not qualified to speak on a professional level. Um, there's a disclaimer there. I don't know why I'm giving that, but uh, I am not a psychiatrist, and I cannot give you medical advice uh, based on this. I wasn't RN. I was a psychiatric nurse, although uh, in this context, I'm not wearing that hat. Um, I'm not currently working as that, and I'm not your psychiatric nurse. I'm going to speak as a minister today, just as an average Joe minister and uh, speak into this problem. And, um, and it's, it's a, it's a big topic. Um, suicide has had a stigma for a long time. If you read the comments on any of the posts regarding Jared Wilson's, uh, suicide, you will find that, uh, the Cro-Magnon man was not extinct. Um, he is still very much thinking, uh, or not thinking. And have they been that bad? I, I literally have not read the comments they they have not they have been true to form as per usual um stupid is you know uh just seems to be you know waxing stronger and stronger in or or maybe you know I, i always look at it this way i always think uh the founding fathers in america created the electoral college for one reason and that was... I almost spit out my knew, cold brew coffee right when you started they, going down they that They knew path. people are stupid. The Ameri- They knew that the average man, the average Joe, the average person walking around out there is incredibly dumb. They knew that. And they said, you know, <laughs> we, we have to put a system in place that doesn't just let the majority... Uh, because what happens when the majority of everybody's stupid? Which is kind of what you're used to. So... Uh, there's a check and balance. You know, the founding fathers really like that check and balance thing. And that's what that is, folks. So even though that's circulating right now, that they're yeah, was, it the, uh, was it the 18th Amendment um, that or was it you have the, the right to be stupid, but no, no, you have the, the right not to listen to you? The one that uh, made it so the state legislators no longer elected senators, but they were elected by a popular vote of the state. That that was really the biggest uh, downfall of the Republic because we're yeah. now reaping the consequences of no longer having states rights and just a big well, overreaching federal government. 
what, what they've been talking about, I don't mean to devolve back into smack here, but what they've been talking about is, you know, ho, 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 when you, you know, elect a class president's popular vote. Yeah, in high school, that was fine. When the guy promised, hey, more Coke machines on campus, that was great. That was fine. And of course, they never delivered. We're used to that from politics. But the the reality is, um, we're not talking about that. But it, it, the point is, people are really dumb. And, and you know, um, it, it's really bad. And it shows up when, in Facebook comments is what you're getting. Well, at. and it's really bad when it shows up in religious Facebook comments. And I would say it's almost more common there than anywhere else. Yeah, you're <laughs> probably right, huh? I mean, Paul did say not many of you were smart were saved, right? Not not many of you that are wise <laughs> have have been saved. Um, simpletons and and foolish people abound in the in the family of God. So, uh, and we have to love them. And you know, no, it, the problem is nobody thinks they're stupid. Every, I mean, I'm probably stupid to somebody else. I'm probably somebody else's stupid Facebook comment. You know, people don't like us. <laughs> I mean, that's almost like that's almost a given because of our take on pretty much everything. Well, that's the thing in, in suicide, you know, let's just start off with, with the idea that there is a stigma regarding all mental illness. Jared Wilson, I, I didn't really know who he was. It's funny because he's from the family of churches that I used to be a part of, which was the Calvary Chapel movement. Um, and you know, I, I didn't know who he was. In fact, I, I can't remember why, I looked him up, but I looked him up a few months ago. Um, something circulated. Oh, who's Jared Wilson? Looked him up. Um, you know, for all I know, it was one of those like Gucci and pastors or what. I don't know what it was, but I looked him up and I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, um, but, but apparently in this, I only know this stuff now. I didn't really know much about him. I just, it was a quick glance. Who is he? What's he written? What's he do? And then I found out he served with Greg Laurie, and I was like, oh. But the the point is, is that um, he was very open about having mental illness and severe depression and suicide. And the the I mean, even that day, he was doing a funeral of a, of a believer who took her own life. And and the sad thing is to me is that really you know, I didn't he, know that. Wow. Yeah, that's what he did that day. And, um, and of course on Facebook, people are like, well, you should have been protected from that. And okay. You know, you, you think hindsight's 2020, you know, maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe that had nothing to do with it. Nobody knows. And, you know, you can play Sherlock Holmes all you want on his Facebook feed, but, um, it, it, it doesn't really, nobody but Jared really knows, right. And God. And it could have been that he was planning that for, it could have been he was going to do it earlier in the week. Uh, could have been because it was National Suicide Awareness Day. Could have been because, I mean, who the heck knows? Maybe he just wanted to do this for this woman. Um, then, you know, who knows? Nobody knows. But, but the reality is that there's, there's going to continue to be a stigma. Um, as long as we have, the, the, I don't know, the, the Holy Spirit police. I wouldn't call them theology police because normally their theology is abysmal. But the Holy Spirit police who would say, Oh, if you have the Holy Spirit, all this goes away. You know, it's like waving the magic wand. Um, which the Holy Spirit very much commits himself to sanctification, which is a process of forming Christ within us. So it's not like you suddenly are like, 
you come to Jesus and all your problems go away. You don't deal with depression. You don't deal with chemical imbalance. You don't deal with any of that. It's literally um, something that that may not get healed. That's like saying, hey, you know, you uh, are missing a leg. You come to Jesus and the Holy Spirit's going to fix that immediately. Yeah, and I think the reality is, is the Holy Spirit can but doesn't mean the Holy Spirit. I have yet will. to see that one, though. I'll be. Not, I'll be fair. Not the leg one. I mean, you're right. The Holy Spirit could. Right. That would be kind of weird, though, to see. Could you imagine? I tell you, nothing would make me a believer quicker. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see a little hand sprout out. Yeah. Anyway. Heck yeah, that'd be great. Be great. I used to know a guy. Um, he was convinced because he had been around really bad theology that Jesus had to heal him, or there was something wrong. Um, oh and, really? And he he was he was a hunchback. He went to um, refuge, and he um, every every Sunday he'd see me at the door and he'd go, Peyton, can Pastor Peyton, can you can you see him a little straighter today? Can you see him a little straighter? And and sometimes I'd say yes because maybe he was straining really hard, and other times I'd say ah, you know, kind of looks the same to be honest. He'd be like, "Oh, well, I can see the difference," and it was just heartbreaking because, you know, every every week, Peyton, Pastor Peyton, can you can you see? Can you see? I'm I'm improving a bit, and uh, to him, it that's what he had to believe. Well, he was believing huh. in healing as a process, you know. Um, well, here's the thing: sanctification is a process. This side of heaven, that man never received healing for being a hunchback. And yet at the same, I don't know if I can even call him like that's now my PC's kicking in. You can't say that. Can't call him a hundred pack. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm supposed to call him, but, uh, maybe you can write in and let us know. But anyways, he, um, you know, that was his thing. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is committed to the sanctification of believer. And we don't ever get fully sanctified this side of heaven either. Right. We just don't. Yeah, and so for people that are like, oh, you need is God and blah blah blah. You know what? I would say for some people, they get instantaneous healing of their physical and mental ailments. Some, and they will be the first to tell you it was not them. People that really receive healing are usually as shocked as anyone else. Right. right. Well, and see, um, that's the thing that I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit, like I. I I remember one of my uh, high school teachers. Um, I, I was I went to a private Christian school, and when he got saved, he went from like smoking two packs a day overnight. Make, make, to make, a, make a mental note. Mental note. Take uh, take kids out of Christian school. I know, right? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was bad. Anyway, uh, but like he he went from smoking two packs a day to nothing. And like he didn't go through withdrawals, nothing. I mean, he'd been doing it for all of his life up till that point, and it was just one of those things that for him, God, you know, gave him this miraculous healing, if you will. Just like he was able to quit cold turkey, nothing. And um, sometimes that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. And you can't like look at the same time because at the time uh, I had a, a family member who was smoking. And, um, and I remember, you know, for that family member, it was a, it was, it was hard to quit. It was really hard. And, you know, he was like sharing the story of how, oh, for me, you know, since I got saved, boom, it went away. And, you know, my family member was like, yeah, not, not quite the story with me. Thanks for sharing, (laughs) you know? Mm, 
Wow. Wow. Well, you know, this is kind of where I'm at these days is that um, when it comes to um, healing, whether it's mental, which I, I think is physical, right? Um, because it's in the mind, people then think it's attitude. Let me just say right now, mental illness is not your attitude. The Bible speaks a lot about your attitude. Like it says, hey, don't complain. Um, be grateful. Um, there's a lot that speaks to attitude. But mental issues are mental issues. So there's times where like guys like Elijah and David are just flat out. And God lets them be. You know, um, God just lets them, he lets them heal up. You know, he, he lets them rest. And I think, I think that, you know, being a celebrity and suffering with severe depression is very difficult. I was, I was listening to, um, is it Bill Hader? Um, the guy from Saturday Night Live, he was talking about a severe anxiety. No and idea. he was just saying, um, uh, you know, that, used to be on the news, like the news hour or whatever on Saturday Night Live. But he was he was basically, he's a comedian, and he was saying, you know, I suffered with anxiety all my life, severe crippling anxiety. And he goes, and to be on Saturday Night Live, a live comedic television program, one of the most watched shows in America, he goes, it's just insane. And he goes, but I did it. And this is, and he was just kind of talking about how he dealt with his anxiety. And he said, you know, the first step you have to realize is it's probably always going to be there. Right. And, and what he was saying was very healthy, actually. And he wasn't looking for the, he goes, I've, I've learned that you don't cure it, you manage it. Right. And so I think the, the, the problem with us as believers is that we kind of tend to think that if you have an ailment and it's not cured, that something must be wrong. I'll never forget going to a meeting. Now, keep in mind, this was uh, Mariah Chapel. Those of you that know anything about revival know that that's kind of like the mecca of revivals. Wales was known as the land of revivals. Mariah Chapel is where the 1904-05 revival broke out. And um, I was, so I was there in Lachur, which is uh, you know little estuary, little town there. And Mariah Chapel is where... Um, uh, Evan Roberts um, was, and I was in a meeting there with some charismatic Pentecostals, and there were there were some miracles and things that were, um, I, I guess, being done. There's definitely strong words of prophecy and different things. And um, one of the guys there, he went up and he said, "You wouldn't recognize me years ago." And he said, uh, "I had a uh, debilitating, I can't remember if it was MS or what it was, but he had a debilitating, crippling disease." It had them all twisted up and contorted, and he showed a photograph, and he said, I couldn't, I, I could only, uh, I had to be in a wheelchair all the time, and he goes, and this hit me when I was at such and such age, and he was a young adult, and he had, he at that time, I think it was like in his 20s or 30s when it hit him, he, by this time he was like 40-something, but he said, you know, um, for about, 10, 11 years, he goes, because I was in the charismatic movement, God had to heal me and God didn't heal me. And so he said, so I became angry and bitter at God and was, you know, convinced that, hey, I have all the faith here, like that they're telling me I need to have, again, bad theology. Um, yes, there's an essence of which Jesus says, hey, your faith 
has made you well. And that's because they believed in who Jesus was. It wasn't you played this game with God and you had enough faith and it hit kind of like the old Baptist mission thermometer. It hit, you know, it was red hot. It hit the top. Bing, bing, ding, ding. Don't winner, be, winner, don't winner. Don't you be mocking my Baptist heritage. <laughs> no, but, you know, I mean, everybody knows what you mean when they've got like the little thermometer that they show up front. Hey, the mission's giving is almost topped, you know. No, you know, you, you topped up your faith enough. Ding, 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 winner. And and so that's where he, again, that's bad theology. Like, so, so here... Um, the guy said that basically um, what happened was he, for years and years, you know, he's going to meetings and then he just stopped. And then uh, somebody, there was someone coming around who had the gift of healing. They were doing some healing in a church and he came up for healing and the, the gentleman looked at him and said, um, God's saying he wants to heal you. But he doesn't want to heal your body. He wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal your heart. Your heart has been broken by not, like the guy just starts prophesying to him. Never met this guy before. And he says, right now you are as handicapped and crippled and twisted up in your soul as you are in your body. And you've been thinking God doesn't love you because he hasn't healed you. And you've all but forsaken him because you think he's forsaken you. And what you need to learn right now is God loves you through suffering. And he's going to heal your soul before he ever heals your body. Because that's more important. And that's why God has allowed you all these years to go through this. And if he doesn't heal you physically, you have to be cool with that. And so the guy said, that started, for me, the real healing in my life. And then, you know, he talks about the fact that, um, you know, and I'm, I'm listening to this dude, you know, over at Mariah. And um, he was saying he was down to earth. I mean, the meeting was very balanced. It was very biblical. And um, at the end of it, you know, he just says, and then one day, boom, I received an instantaneous healing. And he goes, and the weird thing is, is I didn't care. Hmm. <laughs> it's like... I just didn't care. It was just kind of like a little bonus, you know? And he says, you know, when we get to heaven, that's, it's not our bodies. It's not any of that. It's, it's the healing in our souls and in our hearts. And, you know, that's, that's Jared Wilson right now. I mean, he's, he's got that, you know, he's with the Lord. Um, sadly, uh, I, I would guarantee you if Jared could tell you anything today, um, he would say, I made a mistake. You know, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. That did not glorify God. It wasn't the right thing to do um, because right now he's in his right mind. I mean, nobody who takes their life is in their right mind at that moment. They're just out of their mind. That is, it goes against everything that wires us as human beings. So survival instinct, um, the love for his children, the love for his, because you go, oh, you know, how could you do that to his wife and his, his kids? He wasn't in his right mind. Just yeah. plain and simple. There was such a chemical imbalance that he was out of his mind. And bless his heart, man, trying to be a celebrity and suffering severe mental illness. I commend him. I don't really know that he was a celebrity. I I mean, just because you're at Greg Laurie's church doesn't mean you're a celebrity, you know? Like you're Greg right. Laurie, you know, I would say right. is the celebrity. I don't think he I agree. I don't think he was a mega celebrity and Andrew didn't know who he was. I had to look him up a few months ago. 
Um, but apparently, uh, uh, you know, you, you and I and Andrew aren't exactly the most, I guess, informed people of who's out there, right? Like, I only heard of Lauren Daigle because, you know, she made that big goof on TV. I have no idea. I don't don't know who these people are. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. You and I probably are not the best, uh, barometers, um, you know, but, but I was going to say, you know, I mean, he had all these best selling books. Like, he was with Thomas Nelson, you know, they're not, uh, they're not, uh, yeah, they're not to be trifled with, right? I mean, so. Uh, yeah, I, you know, the whole thing is, uh, man, is it tough? It's tough. I, as you know, I've, as I've shared before on the podcast, <clears throat> I've got family members who have suffered um, from depression. And I don't mean like the situational depression that you get when you lose a loved one. But I mean, you know, the deep. The deep stuff that's with you for life, the chemical imbalance. And and I don't envy at all people who, who go through that because right. it's so against who I am as a person um, hmm. that I, I can't fathom having to deal with with that level of uh, of you know, shame of depression of yeah. loneliness. I, I, I literally, I, I, I look at them and I'm like, yeah, I understand <clears throat> why, uh, why you chose to do what you did in, in killing yourself because I can't even fathom having to deal with that. And like, uh, some of these people deal with on a regular basis mm, and it's just so good. I, I, man, I, I tell you, it's, it's one of those things that I, I don't know, um, how to help in a lot of ways. But another thing too, that I, I look at that I am really concerned with, uh, statistically speaking, we know that whenever this happens where there is mm-hmm. a celebrity yeah. that kills themselves, it leads to a rash of more suicides. Yes. And so right now, church planner, I would tell you, you have people in your church who yeah. are going to hear about this and it's going to lead them closer to suicide. Yeah. And so it needs to be addressed. And and I, I'm not saying I even know how to address it or, or what the answer is or whatever. Um, but it's like, I read a book recently, uh, reread it, I should say. I believe it was Robert Cialdini's Influence or it could have been his newer book, uh, Persuasion. Um, but one of the things that these uh, scientists uh, discovered is that there is a thousand percent increase in airplane accidents when a uh, celebrity commits suicide. And um, so to the point that they won't get on a plane. If a celebrity commits suicide, they won't get on a plane for at least three weeks. <laughs> They're like, right, okay. the stats are like crazy. And, of course, that takes into account little Cessnas, all that. And so what they finally concluded after all their study is um, it causes more people to think about suicide. And because there's so much shame addressed with suicide that that they try and make it look like an accident. Oh, my plane went down. I didn't commit suicide. My plane just crashed, you know, my my little Cessna. And so um, that, that Netflix... TV show that's all about suicide has incredibly increased suicide among teens, uh, statistically speaking. I haven't watched that for that reason. I haven't. I haven't watched it's it either. Difficult. And, yeah, I haven't watched and, it either. 
you know, when I was really young, I mean, I was hanging out with Andrew. I was dating Andrew, and I'll never forget. My friend drove up to my house, got out, and just devastated and said, hey, Bill just killed himself. And he was one of my, my friends and someone in my youth group. And um, you you know this, eight years ago, uh, my one of my top three best friends took his life. I had been having breakfast with him two weeks before, came down and did his funeral. I actually didn't do the funeral because I wasn't up to it, but I, I spoke at it. You know, I spoke about him as a friend. He was my old roommate, um, one of my groomsmen at my wedding. Um, just, you know, just dude, the amount of people, um, that have been close to me that, that have taken their own lives, you know, um, it, it's devastating. It is terrible, but you also know that it, it can happen. Like Jared could have been great that morning. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the worst part. He, he could have been felt fine. And that's where we got to be careful because what, what happens is we start, um, pointing the finger of blame. Someone must be blamed. We'll blame Jared. We'll blame the church. We'll blame his family. We'll blame his friends. Did you not see it? Like that's what you have to avoid because I guarantee you all of them are blaming themselves right now. His, yeah. Uh, Greg Laurie, uh, if, if he has a soul, I'm guessing he does, <laughs> is blaming himself. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, his wife is yeah. is blaming her. Everybody around her is is asking these questions. You know, <laughs> his best friends are blaming themselves, and 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 so like I I blame myself in in some ways with Russ. Like, what could I have done? What could I have said? And I kept going back over the conversation where he just looked at me. We're in the car, and he's like, Peyton, you know, for the first time in a long time, I'm in such a good place right now. Life is really starting to just kind of fit back together for me. And I was like, that's great, man. You know, and he made some comment about, you know, I won't say what it was. And I rebuked him gently. I said, hey, 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 now, you know, that's, you know, that's not what God wants for your life right now. It was something small, you know, but it was, you know, he was looking for love in all the wrong places. And I said, hey, hey, you know, come on, man. You, you know better than that. You know, like you do a friend, you know, and, uh, but you know, yeah, man, we, we can't play the blame game. And, and what I would say is, is one of the things that would be really helpful right now, um, in your church is to not brush under the carpet, not pretend it didn't happen. I would use it. I would use this as an opportunity to just mention it and just say, Hey, you know, we don't know the circumstances, but let me, and you don't have to, you don't have to comment on it. It's best not to. Um, in fact, the majority of this today, if you've, if you've really noticed is us commenting on it without commenting on it, right? No opinion about it. That's pretty much what we've done. But what you do is you, you, you bring it up. You say, Hey, we don't really know all the facts and we, no one will really know. But what we do want to say is Christians do struggle with this and we're here for you. If you need to talk, please come talk to us. On any given Sunday, there are people comp- contemplating suicide oh, in your totally. church. The amount of times that I've dropped a prophetic word in a sermon and had someone in tears coming up afterwards who says, hey, that was me. 
I was going to take, I'll, I'll never forget doing mission um, where a guy came to faith. He was going to go back to his shed. We were doing ministry in an open, open square in uh, Auckland, New Zealand. And he goes, I was going to go douse myself with gasoline. I live in a shed behind this guy's house. I was going to go douse myself and light a match and kill myself tonight. And he came to faith years later, ended up being a leader in that, in the church that was planted in Auckland and uh, yada, yada. So, you know, like, like God will often, and the, one of the best stories ever was from this, because um, I was from Calvary Chapel, uh, when the Spirit was really moving in Southern California, there was um, these, uh, I remember hearing, uh, I can't remember which, one of the old hippies, who's now a pastor, was sharing about, they were in a, a Volkswagen bus, or I mean a Volkswagen bug, they're on the way to Bible study, and this guy suddenly just stops the car, like screeches to a halt, gets out, runs up to this door, um, opens the mail slot, like on the door, you know, a little, you know, flip flip lid thing on their on their little mm-hmm. door mail slot, and shouts in there, "Jesus loves you!" Runs back into the car, <laughs> starts to take off, and this guy comes running out of the house, going, "Wait, wait!" And, and the guy like, you know, rolls down the window and the guy goes, why did you do that? And he goes, because God told me to. And the guy goes, what do you mean God told you to? And he goes, I was just driving along. God said, stop the car and go yell through that mail slot that Jesus loves you. And that guy goes, I was standing on a stool with a noose around my neck when I heard that come through my mail slot. And the guy got saved. Like that's the crazy stuff that was happening during the Jesus movement. And and I will guarantee you guys, God will speak if you will, hey, Lord, like that that's one thing, like the amount of times where I've just been like, Lord, you speak today. I got this sermon, but you say what you got to say. And I guarantee you, like you could say something about suicide every single Sunday and you wouldn't have to have the gift of prophecy. Mm-hmm. You could just, you know, it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. You're going to hit someone. Over half your congregation has been diagnosed with depression at one time or, or another in their life. That's just depression, not anxiety disorder, depression, over half. And that's just those that have been diagnosed. We've talked all about that in our mental health series. But I would say use it. Make your church a safe place. Occasionally talk about if you're really struggling, that's what we're here for. How many churches treat their congregants like you're here for us, really? You're here to be the crowd. You're here to make us look legit. You're here to make us feel like we're on mission and we're doing an awesome job. You're here to help keep the lights turned on and, you know, the motor humming by giving. Um, you're always talking about what people can give to you, what the church can get from the people. It's about time we start turning that around and saying, hey, we're here to serve you, right? There's nothing more important in my life than sitting down and talking. If you're going through it, I'm a shepherd. That's what I'm here for, right? Yeah. I'm a pastor. That's what we're here for. And we don't do that, right? You run the show on Sunday, you study for your message, and hey, the rest of you be damned, right? And and so I'm just saying, guys, you've got to start letting people know that you're there for them. And yeah, um, yeah it's important. Well, you know, here, here's another thing. Um, <clears throat> Jamie and I, we started watching uh, West Wing again on Netflix. And... Um, so one of the main characters, have you ever seen that show, West Wing? Uh, no, but I'm pretty familiar with it, I suppose. Uh, you know, it's all about 
president. It's all liberal stuff, so it's really funny because I make fun of it the whole time. But anyway, <laughs> so um, one of the main characters, the uh, chief of staff, Leo McGarry, is a uh, alcoholic and uh, prescription pill addict. Mm. At least he was, you know, at one point in his life, or I guess he'd always been an alcoholic, but he did pills too for a time. And he's going through a divorce, and his uh, divorce papers come into the office, and his <clears throat> secretary, Margaret, is like really worried about him because he's an alcoholic, and the divorce papers just came in. And he says, I, I thought it was a really profound line that I've always remembered it from the very first time I saw it. And so when I saw it again, I was like, man, I love that line. Hmm. And she she's afraid that he's going to go drinking because the divorce papers are, are coming in. And he just goes, look, I'm an alcoholic. I don't need an excuse to go drinking. <laughs> like, he knew, look, I'm an alcoholic. I'd, I'll use anything to go drink. I mean, right. doesn't matter. I'll, I'll just go drink. And I think the same thing can be said with people who struggle with depression. Again, not talking about situational depression, but uh, right. but the manic, massive you know, depression, uh, the chemical imbalance um, that people have in in their their brains and their neurons and all of that stuff that's going on uh, physically with them, like like you said, in the morning they could be fine, totally fine, totally good, and by that evening, it's it's hit them like a ton of bricks, right? And that's the thing that you got to understand about about this uh, issue, about the the whole mental illness phenomenon, which can take on so many different forms for so many different people because we're talking about something that affects each individual differently. Right. Is that it's it's not just as, as simple as, oh, well, you know, they're fine this morning. They could be fine, and then five minutes later, literally, it hits them. And, right. And so... Yeah, I mean, just just letting that out there for everyone, hopefully, who hasn't had to deal with this, you can start to realize some of this stuff well, that's going have, on with people. I finally have, um, you know, for the first time in my life, and it was situational depression, for sure, but whether it's, um, you know, uh, chemical depression or situational depression, chemical depression is where... It's not been triggered by an event, but it's just an, a chemical imbalance that exists. Um, the, the symptoms are the same. Um, situational depression arises from a circumstance and it will, it will have a duration, right? That can, you can get through it. Uh, perhaps not need medication. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Depends on the individual. Um, and for me, I can just tell you, like when after my mom died, I went into a very dark place had no motivation, did not want to live, did not want to do anything. And that was in 2017. First time in my life I had ever felt it. And I felt so powerless. Mm. Um, I wanted to die. Um, didn't want to live, didn't see the point of anything anymore. Um, didn't enjoy anything, nothing, nothing. Um, you know, you have places where, uh, you turn and you go to when you're depleted emotionally. And it rejuvenates you. Like for you, it might be, you know, uh, the shooting range where you look forward to that and you get pleasure and it just kind of 
does something to you, you know, it, it, it injects your life with a bit of, mm, you know, a little, little hit spot. You're, you're ready to still go. Um, when you're depressed, nothing does that for you anymore. And it doesn't matter what it is. And, um, I could, I could just remember that that was exactly, uh, where I was at. And, um, Radiohead years ago, um, Tom York, when he was, uh, when OK Computer came out, it, it hit like number one and they were doing over 300 shows a year and he had a nervous breakdown. So when you listen to their next album, you notice the conspicuous absence of guitar. And the reason was, is when he had a ner- his nervous breakdown, he, he had a house in Devon overlooking the cliffs. I might have mentioned this before and, um, had all glass windows overlooking the ocean. The only thing in the house other than a cot to sleep on was a grand piano in front of those glass windows. Mm. He said that, that always before the place I turned was guitar and that recharged me and rejuvenated me. And he said, I didn't have that anymore. The last thing I wanted to do is pick up a guitar. So I had nothing. So he said, so I had, I bought this piano and had it delivered and I just played piano. I just sat there and just played, learned to play piano. And, you know, and he goes, just poured my soul out and, and recharge that way. But he goes, it, it took me years before I want to pick up a guitar again. Um, cause I was so burnt out on that. And, um, and again, he, he had a nervous breakdown. Um, he literally, there's a song on the next album called I'm not here. This isn't happening. If you've ever listened to that, it's just repeats that over and over. He got that from Michael Hutchins from NXS who, when he was standing in these packed out stadiums with like thousands of people, he, he couldn't face it. Like he, he just was a wreck. And so he had to say that mantra over and over. I'm not here. This isn't happening. This isn't real. Like dude was a wreck going through that. And then he just, they almost quit and imploded and thank God they didn't thank you God for Radiohead. But, uh, (laughs) but anyways, you know, you're helpless in those situations. I mean, you know, whatever you do, um, during that get help, you know, there's just, there's that stigma. I don't know why in Christianity, we have that thing that says you got to be strong enough and tough enough. This individualistic thing. Well, no, there's times it, it's and, seen, and I mentioned it's seen as a lack of faith, a lack of closeness with God. It th- that's the problem. In fact, I was thinking about this while you were talking, and and I would just encourage any of our our listeners who right now are going through it and are having you know suicidal thoughts or <clears throat> depression or whatnot. You know, one of the thoughts that I can imagine is going through somebody's head in that situation is who can I really turn to? It's kind of like our Bivo inner circle. The reason why I think our guys connected so well with each other is they finally had a place where they could talk to someone else who wasn't going to judge them, who they didn't work with, who wasn't going to be like, Oh, how dare you think that I'm going to fire you or, you know, I'm looking up to you and, and you're having issues um, I think there's a lot of pastors who are going to be going through this going, I can't talk to anyone. Who can I talk to about this? You can't go to your denomination head because they're going to now replace you. Now you're out of a job. You know, right. you can't go to someone in your church because, well, then they're going to think less of you and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I would honestly say if you're going through it and you're like, I got no one, then even reach out to us. We'll try and connect you up with someone. Um, who you can talk to, who's who's out of that situation. Because as you've said before, Peyton, we didn't talk about it on this podcast, uh, but usually the the best person for them to be working with is a um, 
a psychologist who used to be a pastor. Wasn't that who it was? Yep. Who you said you? Were- yeah. If you go, if you go over to uh, Ministry Ninja podcast, um, I actually interview uh, my counselor, um, Bill Ferris, who's quite well known amongst pastors in Southern California. Um, dude's amazing. But anyways, um, it's in the dojo with Bill Ferris is the title, and you can hop over there and he talks. All I mean, he covers the full range. I think it's like an hour long, and he just—it's it, amazing, dude's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's all and, I had to and, say. That was it. Well, no, it's it's great because you know AA and NA. Before we stop here, um, you know uh, the world received these principles from the gospel. Um, Doctor Bob um, was a Christian. Um, they they started trying to run it in a church and people wouldn't come AA. So finally they said, what if we just strip the principles from the gospel out, make them generic. We'll start with a higher power because people coming to Jesus might be too far a stretch, but at least get them talking to God. Right. And, and go from there. And so they stripped these principles from the gospel, um, put them into the 12 steps and then, um, developed them and the world has received all these principles and it usually people in recovery, it usually leads to faith in God and in Christ. Not always, not every time they've, they've, and over the years, they've tried to make it less and less, um, because people started sniffing out that, hold on, this is really the veiled gospel here. Um, but, but the 12 steps really were about, um, trying to get people at least on the road to recovery, um, kind of applying the principles of the gospel. But anyways, all that to say, um, if the world is grabbing onto these gospel principles, like you can't do it alone, um, you need help, you're powerless in this, um, why, why is the church so slow to pick up when we mm. have the gospel openly? And so I would just, you know, kind of encourage you, um, to, you know, uh, reach out for help when you need it. By the way, if you are a pastor and you're like, oh, I can't talk to anyone because everyone around me, other pastors around me gossip, <laughs> you know, it's quite a competitive business. Um, my elders don't, I can't tell them because then they'll just try to get rid of me or use it against me, which often can be the case. We're not going to lie. We live in a, in a, in a dog eat dog world. Then I would say, go to that podcast. Um, Bill gives all of his contact details and he will counsel you and coach you over the phone. If you need it, if you need a neutral voice out there, he might even refer you to someone else who can do it too. But I asked him directly on the podcast, can you, uh, will you counsel people um, from afar. And he goes, I do a lot of those kind of calls. There's been times that I've come to see him and I can hear him talking on the phone in the other room. I can't hear what he's saying, but I can hear his voice going. And then I, I can tell he's hung up the phone and then he's like, Hey, come on in. Right. So, um, but I, I extensively use, uh, counseling just because of that reason that I can talk to him. I tell him yep. anything. Yep. And, uh, and I need that. And I need it from a guy who's grounded in the gospel, a guy who, uh, walks in the spirit and a guy who's also, he understands the mind. Yep. So, uh, anyways, well, Pete, look, um, 
uh, one thing we haven't talked about today, but it's an important issue. I see I can't segue it. Um, uh, this is the one time I can't segue. Uh, but you know, the, the financial needs of the church, all those kinds of things, that's a lot, Pete, to, uh, and I like how we're still pretending like, you know, this is just coming up naturally in conversation. It's a lot, Pete, to deal with, you know, um, <laughs> stressed about finances. Oh, sorry. Ooh. Is that, is that? Yeah, yeah, no. See, we can't pull it off this time. We can't. We can't pull. Hey, Pete, um, tell me about that simplifiedchurchthing.com, simplifiedchurch.com. Tell, tell me what that's about and how you can save. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the beautiful thing about simplifiedchurch.com is when you head on over to simplifiedchurch.com, they'll help you out with all your payroll, your bookkeeping, your W-2s, your work comp, your website design. They'll help you out with all that stuff so you can focus on other areas of your life that you need to focus. You can focus on you. Focus, focus. Hey, also too, if you go to simplifychurch.com right now, if you sign up for their newsletter, I've been getting emails from Josh Henry where he's been talking about uh, little courses on budgeting, which is pretty cool. Um, keep an eye out as well. I'm going to be doing some budgeting stuff as well on oh Ministry Ninja YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, but but I, hey, I, hey, that was just not a math extra. pastor. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I'm sitting down. Um, if you haven't subscribed to the Ministry Ninja YouTube channel yet, do it because uh, I'm I'm getting ready to have 52 episodes. They're only like, I don't know, three to five minutes. And it's every financial question under the sun where the non-math pastor, me, I'm perfect guy for this because... It's like, hey, I don't understand this. Tell me about this, right? Like normally I have people do this stuff, but and they just walk through. Um, we put 12 episodes in the can. We're over at Larry Osborne's church filming it. And uh, they they are dropping gold. Like things like this. How, how do you budget? Like how much do you know is going to come in per head? They have all this figured out, dude. They've been doing this for like 60, 70 years. They're like, this is how much per head you can pretty much count on for your church in the year. You know, and it, dude, I learned a ton. Uh, I'll forget it all, but I learned a ton. So anyways, um, simplifychurch.com if you want to take courses. And also, if you're further interested, go to Ministry Ninja on YouTube. And as you can see, we've got uh, Dan Sams on the line. That's because we're about ready to do the From Concealment podcast. So if you like to shoot guns, head on over to the From Concealment podcast and start listening to that. I like how you advertise yours right after mine. That's cool. That's well, cool. Know, this hey. is what we're doing now. Hey. And uh, I, I need to listen to that. I have not listened to that yet, so I need to go on there. It's all about I guns. I would imagine, guns. dude, Dan Sams was hands down the funniest dude in our um, his comments. If you guys have ever heard the one where he goes, um, uh, I go to Pete. What is it? What's that sound bite we play? Wait, uh, wait. Pete Mitchell is here, my here master. You go. Here you go. Pete Mitchell loves you and has a plan for your bank account. <laughs> Here you go. Here's another one. I used to have more friends before I got into church planting. That is Dan <laughs> Sands, and that dude is funny as heck. So um, I'm easily replaced, and Dan Sams would be that man to replace I me, read so. Peyton Jones more than I read Francis Chan. <laughs> he also has the one that I think we we determined was not appropriate, which was I read Peyton Jones more than I read the Bible. <laughs> we Recently, said, I stopped uh, memorizing scripture and started memorizing <laughs> passages of Church Zero. <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, is Dan Sams. 
So anyways, um, hey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's been uh, a very important podcast. And uh, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music